to the Time for Teaching podcast. This podcast explores the joys and challenges of teaching in higher education. I'm Kelly Fox. And I'm Kim Reed, and this is a big day for us here at the podcast. We're very excited to be joined by Kevin Weaver, Vice President Academic at Georgian. Kelly, what do we need to know about Kevin before we get started? Well, actually, so before we get started, we just wanted Kevin, we want to invite you to maybe sign a verbal waiver to ensure that our discussions and shenanigans today are not (laughs) career-limiting moves for us. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're just kidding. All right, so now that we got that out of the way, I'd like to introduce Kevin Weaver. A quick Google search informs us that Hanover, Ontario is known for hatcheries and being the hometown of Canadian artist Carl Schaefer. We also learned that it it was once touted as the furniture capital of the country and, most importantly, for our purposes today, it's where Kevin Weaver grew up. Kevin then travelled to Wilfrid Laurier for his bachelor, our honours bachelor, Sir Samford Fleming for his graduate certificate in Geographic Information Systems, and eventually made his way to U of T, where he completed his Master's of Geography, GIS. Outside of work, Kevin enjoys time with his family, taking walks with his wife, time at the rink, go Leafs, golf, where he can, when he can find the time, he should always find the time for that, and watching sports. Based on the fact that he was a goalie throughout his minor career, and he shared fans who do not cheer for the Leafs as a pet peeve, we think he watches a bit of hockey here and there. Maybe just a bit. Kevin's favorite movie is Rudy, books, The Astronaut's Guide to Life, Book of Awesome, and The Five Dysfunctions of a Team are some notable faves. And here are three more pretty incredible tidbits to help us get to know Kevin a little bit more. He sits on both a local and national not-for-profit board, Habitat for Humanity and Electricity Human Resources Canada. He was born with a congenital hip and some other complications that required casting on both legs for the first two years of his life, and he learned to walk with shoes that were connected by a bar. And lastly, and but very most importantly, Kevin married his high school sweetheart, which is just so cute. (laughs) Welcome, Kevin. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Well, thank you for having me and and thank you for that very fulsome introduction. And (laughs) it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Of course, I shared those tidbits. Uh, but when you hear it back, you you start thinking, wow, that's that's a lot. I've, I've shared a lot, but it, you know, it's good. People would get a sense of who I am and where I'm from, and I think that's really important that we're you know we're all we're all just in in the same um, scenario working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. The yeah. community. Totally. And it's funny how often folks, you know, we they fill out our little form with all the answers to our questions and then they say, wow, I'm like more interesting than I thought I was. That's actually really cool. <laughs> My life sounds pretty important and pretty cool. Okay, Kevin, so we're excited to have you here today and also want to express our most sincere thanks to you for possibly increasing our listenership from Kelly's mom and my dog to a small but devoted handful of faculty who may have happened upon us after your shout out to the podcast on a town hall. Kelly and I were thrilled and greatly appreciate the support and the opportunity to do this work. And for anyone who can't see me, I'm putting air quotes around work because sometimes this podcast, well, most of the time, definitely doesn't feel like work. It's very fun. Okay, so the vice president academic is a pretty big role 
but I would bet many folks don't really know what you do within your role. We know it's very important and we know that you work incredibly hard and do a ton here, but could you tell our listeners a little bit more about a day in the life of a VP academic? Well, that's a great question, and let me just start by by thanking you again for for having me. I am I am a fan of the podcast. I full disclosure, I'm, I'm <laughs> complete bias coming in, a big fan. You do tremendous work, and and I have to say, I'm I'm humbled that you asked me to be on because you have had some terrific speakers on this podcast sharing knowledge and passion for a variety of subjects. So I, I'm just, you know, I'm honored and humbled to, to take a, a small part in your podcast. So thank you. Uh, a day in the life of the vice president academic. Well, uh, some would say, um, you know, maybe not all that exciting at times. Uh, I tend to disagree. I, I find it <laughs> Uh, I find it very exciting. I will say no two days are alike. And uh, sometimes the way your day looks at 7.30 a.m. and the way it finishes uh, whenever it does finish um, doesn't go quite as scripted. So I I would say being nimble, uh, flexible, uh, ready for anything is an important part of uh, the role. There's no question about that. Uh, but there's also there's also some structure to it and a lot of I, I will say a lot of meetings and that's the part I know, you know, people will hear that and say, oh, that's not that's not very exciting. But the the meetings um, are engaging. The meetings are about strategy and where we're heading and sometimes solving challenges that that may have been challenges for many years or it might be new opportunities that we're we're leveraging so from that perspective it's really exciting there's i i work uh, a lot with obviously internal stakeholders but i also work with external uh partners uh sometimes uh committees economic development uh, could be in, involved with um, municipal leaders or provincial leaders, et cetera. I uh, work a lot with the system. That's that's really important work. And and one thing I, I, I think that um, maybe gets underrepresented is how much we, we really do collaborate at the system level. As much as we compete, we collaborate and we, we try to work together, uh, move in the same direction. And so I, I enjoy all of that because it's it's dynamic. You go from, uh, you know, one meeting that might be a little bit more operational to some strategic opportunities to some really uh, forward looking, you know, they're just they're just glimpses of of an idea at this point that that may develop over time. So um, lots of lots of diversity uh, in my my daily routine and and uh, in my calendar, that's for sure. That's pretty cool. So, Kevin, we've chatted with a few colleagues, uh, most recently the incredible Kelly Duggan, who have shared some wonderfully helpful information about digital innovation at Georgian. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the place and value of digital innovation here at Georgian. Yeah, I, I, I'm really excited about this. I, I, I really am. And, and I want to be uh, I, I want to clarify that as, as much as digital innovation is about digital and it's about the technology, it, it really is about people. At the end of the day, it's it's about people, process, and technology, and the three really coming together. And, and to me, that's really exciting. Georgian is starting from a terrific place. 
But our ability to focus on the digital innovation strategy and go to that next level of the student experience in a variety of facets uh, is really exciting. I, I think we're just beginning uh, what's a really fun journey. I, I look forward to it. I, I think most uh, around the college, uh, as as we talk more about some of the specific initiatives and projects that are gonna carry out, uh, we'll see the tremendous value in this work. And, and of course for us, uh, it's all about the students. And that's where I think digital innovation is so fundamentally important, especially now as we come out of uh, a very large disruption uh, to really to the global what? landscape. And, and that disruption. Yeah. What disruption would that be? <laughs> I know. I know. It's just, yeah, we, we, I think we're just so used to it now. It's yeah, so be it, but yes, it, I mean, just tremendous and it's disrupted everything. The, the whole, the whole way we all interact as, as consumers, as students, as uh, you know, as business people, it's, it's all changed. And I think that's critically important as we look at digital innovation coming out of this, because the expectations from our students and our stakeholders, uh, I think, are, are forever changed now. And so it's incumbent on us to, to look at what does Georgian look like moving forward? And I think digital innovation is is a great uh, is a significant piece of that and, the, and really that transformation uh, to help our students right from, you know, the early days. I'm thinking of Georgian. What does it look like? What programs do they offer? How do I apply through certainly their 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 learning journey? And then as an alumni and that lifelong learning piece. So uh, there's just so many facets. I, I, you know, if, if I didn't say it already, I'm really excited. I, I truly am. <laughs> it's not, I should say though, we, we know it's not easy work. It's exciting work, but it's not easy work. And, and it's, it's change and it's, it's looking at process and how we do things. And so we know there'll be some heavy lifting to do, but I think if we keep, you know, that best student experience and, and we keep the student at the heart of where we're trying to go. Um, I think it's just a tremendous opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And this is like one of those moments that just really warms my heart because I think that for many folks, when they think about senior leadership team and they think about um, people who are in positions like yours, I think people assume that it's very business focused, um, that the focus is on, you know, how do, how do we make this large machine keep moving? And to hear you say things like it's student focused, it's about the technology, but it's about the people. And to talk so much about, you know, we know this is hard work and we've talked Talked about this already. We met with um, Amy and Alyssa last week, and they we talked about how faculty are being compensated so fairly for um, this movement into digital innovation, which we're going to talk about more in a second. Um, it just really speaks to who our SLT are, who you are, and what I love so much about the college, and what makes me so proud to be a part of Georgian College because I think it's about so much more than numbers and business. Obviously, that's what keeps us keeps the lights on, and that's such an important part of what we do. Um, but it's really, really nice to hear that it's so people focused. So thanks for that. Um, okay, so just to build on the idea of digital innovation, we're seeing a lot in the college sector in general about flexible learning. And we know that this is a huge part of the digital innovation strategy here at Georgian as well. So what do these different deli delivery modalities mean to our community, to our students and to our faculty? Why is it so important that we dive into these new and emerging learning environments with both feet? 
Yeah, it's a it's a terrific question and uh, a, a complex answer for sure. But I'll do I'll do my best. <laughs> uh, I think first and foremost, it, it is about that word uh, flexibility. And and for us, again, when we look at a student perspective, uh, we've heard from our students, particularly uh, during the pandemic, but but even before, these are themes of of students. Uh, who want flexibility and they'd like to have some choice where they can. And we know that that's not, you know, the choice part isn't always possible, but certainly there's some things we can do to help with the flexibility. And and when you break that down, um, and many of us have been there, I, I you know, full disclosure, when I did my, uh, completed my master's degree, I, I did a lot of it remotely. I did spend a little bit of time on campus. That was that was part of the protocol. But I did all my other work uh, remotely. In fact, I did it uh, when I lived in Sault Ste. Marie. So I was about you know eight hours away from campus. So I, I just quite frankly wasn't going to get there for class or my meetings with my advisors, not in person. And that afforded me the flexibility to continue to work. I was working full-time at the at, at, at that time, and both my children were born uh, in Sault Ste. Marie around the time I was doing my master's. So I, I understand the flexibility firsthand, and that ability for me to complete that part of my education um, would not have happened without that flexibility. That uh, that and and I know there's lots of those stories out there, and I've heard some even on your podcast, and I think both of you have shared some of your examples. That that's really critically important. So I think we have to look back and say, why were we any different than the students accessing education at Georgian? And and I think the answer is we're not. People, our students have changed over time. Uh, we have students who come to us from more diverse backgrounds, from more diverse socioeconomic statuses. Uh, we have students who have young children at home. We have students who are looking after aging parents. Uh, they may be the primary caregiver. There's lots of there's lots of reasons our students uh, are looking for and deserve some flexibility in their learning environment. So then you look to well, what does that mean for our delivery models? Well, our our traditional and and I know it, it's not one size fits all, but but let me just use a general example. Might be, uh, you know, 18 hours a week we expect students to come onto campus. So if you're a commute of of an hour, let's say give or take, that's a substantial part of your week is is coming to campus to be part of the education. Um, And it limits then the amount of flexibility that you have in your weekly schedule for those other life circumstances that come up. And it could be supporting your family, it could be paying rent, it could be all of those all of those factors. So we look to modalities like online and online makes sense for certain types of programs, certain types of courses. Online obviously uh, will afford some flexibility to a student. GC Flex, uh, which is which is our you know Georgianized version, if you will, of of the the, the high flex model, is really about leveraging. Um, flexibility in a more dynamic way. So students may be able to come to class. They may want to come to class in person on a regular basis. But when when that that time comes that they can't get there for whatever reason it is, they they don't miss out on the learning experience. And so I think that offers tremendous flexibility. 
But we also know that doesn't fit all our learning environments and that's okay. I think that's the other part of the flexibility for for faculty, for academic managers from a college perspective. We we want to find the right delivery that that looks to uh, pedagogy of the course that considers the type of learning that happens, also the student and the type of student in those environments. And then when we move to something like hybrid, again, it's it's looking to say um, how we learn in that program or how we learn in those courses. Do students need to be on campus for all three hours in that week, as an example? Or can we look to parse that in different ways? And perhaps some of the learning that they're going to do, they can do on their own time in the reading and the and the comprehension of that material. We know there's lots of different styles of learners and, and hybrid can actually afford some some interesting elements of uh, instructional design to support that. And then when they do come to the class, whether it be one hour a week or two hours a week, that's for dynamic engaged learning. That's that's for different types of activity that really require the, the, the students to be on site to acquire that learning. So I think it's exciting. I know it's it's different. I know it's changed. It's gonna take us time. Um, it, you know, we, we, are, we are moving to uh, identifying those flexible learning opportunities. Uh, we'd like to be able to communicate with our students ahead of, you know, ahead of them entering a program so they understand, you know, what that flexibility looks like for them in that program. And and I think, although we're not alone in this, I know there's others moving this way, but I, I do think the opportunity is right for Georgian to, uh, to, to, you know, take a bit of a competitive advantage in some of our, our program areas where we can afford some of this flexibility and perhaps even expand access to the great learning that happens. So students don't always have to be physically in one of our seven communities and, and that expands our out, outreach and opportunity. So it, it means it means change uh, and, and, you know, it won't happen overnight, but we will, we will collaborate and work as we do at Georgian, which is why I also uh, am biased and, and love this place. I even have my Georgian uh, golf shirt on just for listeners. I know you won't, <laughs> you won't see it, but I'm blending golf and Georgian together to two things I love. Uh, but, you know, we will do it. We will do it the Georgian way and we will do it in a way that is respectful of um, the academic process, respectful of the need for um, good pedagogy and also being flexible and accessible to our students, because I think that's really, really got to be at the core of all this. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Kim and I have talked about this quite a bit, of course, um, and can't agree more. The idea of flexibility for our students does take some rethinking, you know, like it kind of getting our head around it. And it's interesting when I try to think about it for even myself. And while the flexibility of, of uh, alternate delivery is what it used to be referred to, um, was the only way, as you mentioned, I could have ever continued my education. Sometimes just having to think about how would I ever deliver it also I mean, mm -hmm. I know I lived it, but then how do I actually deliver? It does take some rethink um, and some flexibility in your own self, right, of how you're going to offer it. But extremely exciting, very exciting opportunities and time. 
Absolutely. So switching gears a little bit, Kevin, um, during our, we had a recent interview with uh, Dr. Robert Luke uh, at the Fireside Chat for the Focus on Teaching conference. And he shared some wonderful information about the values of micro-credentials. Um, this seems to be sort of like a, a hot button issue right now. There's a lot um, of concerns being raised about the potential downfalls of micro-credentials, their impact on the future of education as we know it. But we've also heard some wonderfully successful micro-credential initiatives as well. So what do you see as the value of micro-credentials at Georgian? And what would you say to folks who are maybe raising concerns about them? Yeah, that's a that's a great question and, and uh, just a, a terrific conversation with Dr. Robert Luke uh, at the conference. So really appreciate that the two of you uh, uh, had some good banter and and conversations <laughs> with Dr. Robert Luke. So micro credentials is is you know it's been a topic that I've been part of the discussion um, going back. Uh, quite a while now. I'm, I'm going to say it's it's probably almost two years. It might even be more. Uh, with with a group of vice president academics across uh, Canada, and and we we got together and we were talking of this notion of the micro credential. It was just starting to kind of pick up steam, if you will, as a term. Uh, realistically, for colleges. We have been delivering this type of education for a long time. And, and we actually have, uh, before they were truly dubbed and defined, we, we have many examples of uh, what really meets the criteria of a micro-credential. So I, I think it's an exciting opportunity, um, but you have to look at it as not an either or. I don't see it as a replacement to credentials, I, th I see it as complementary. And I think we have to think of it in, uh, in the way it's intended. So where we've had tremendous success, and, and I'll point to a couple uh, initiatives, and one is uh, the rapid skills program. So we were lucky enough to, to receive funding from the provincial government as part of the pilot group. And that's a program with a series of micro, uh, micro credentials, micro certificates, in partnership with industry and industry helped define the competencies that were missing for them to be able to upskill their current employees. So these are individuals that are not looking for a full credential per se, but they're looking for, for bite-sized, short course, real directed competency-based learning endorsed by the employer and they they deserve recognition on the other end of that training and, and hence that you know, we we produce a digital badge for them uh, upon successful completion. We're also part, and we we announced this uh, just recently, just in the past week or so, is the support of care assistant micro credential, which is a, a Canadian wide initiative through uh, colleges and institutes Canada. And again, when when you look at that opportunity, it really is about filling a gap in the workforce to support the long term care sector. But in no way does it replace a credential. And there's also some pathways through that micro-credential for those that wish to continue on and, and, uh, and take a credential as a personal support worker. So that's where we've had success. And, and for Georgian, that's really where many of our micro-credentials sit. They, they sit in more the realm of non-credit professional development or contract training. 
But there are other opportunities, and, and we have plenty of examples. Center for Teaching and Learning is, is a primary one where we're doing uh, internal professional development for faculty and just a tremendous opportunity to recognize that learning. Again, they're, they're often shorter duration. They're, they're very focused competencies. They have, uh, in off, most cases, some assessment to them. And in that, in that case, the, the employer, if you will, or the industry is, is higher ed. So it's, you know, they're a perfect fit. And then there's uh, some opportunities for us in the credit environment as well, where we do work with um, external uh, organizations, third party. If you think of some of the Microsoft, so if you think of software certifications, et cetera, Cisco networking, and there's there's plenty examples. We do some work with, um, you know, with with Google Analytics, et cetera, where you we could look to embed some micro credentials within the credit environment, and that just that gives our grads something else. To, to use and show as they go out in, in their career path. So I, I see them as a tremendous opportunity. I, I don't see them uh, in any way diminishing the, the great work we're doing on credentials, uh, but I think it opens up the opportunity for us to consider pathways uh, with a slightly different focus. And that will take time, that will not happen overnight, but, but envision, you know, a future state where we may have a series of micro certificates that that start to compile towards perhaps a one year Ontario College certificate, which then can lend itself towards a two year diploma. And, and you can envision it uh, potentially to a four year degree. And, and I know that, again, these things will take time and they'll take a, a different way for us to think about the model. Uh, but in being able to do that, we, we might be able to provide access and opportunity to students who can't envision the full commitment of two years or three years or four years of full-time post-secondary education uh, it could be financial, it could be time commitments, but they could come in and they could explore and they could get their feet wet in a post-secondary environment. And maybe that one, that first micro certificate is exactly what they needed to really prove to themselves, I can do this. I have what yeah. it takes. This is exciting. This is where I want to go. And you know what's really cool about that, Kevin, too, is um, how many of our students sometimes think that they want a certain direction. Um, and I've experienced that, especially right. in uh, dental hygiene, where they're like, oh, it's so glamorous. And they realize it's not as glamorous <laughs> as they thought. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, they they actually can dip their toe into a couple of different mm. areas, um, kind of maybe like some of our um, like pre-health courses in a way, but they can dip their toe and sort of find a, a path that does fit. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, not committed to maybe a three or two or three year uh, certificate where they find themselves at the end of the year going, oh gosh, that is not what I thought at all or not the direction I wanted. So it was maybe a couple of easier steps at the beginning until they can find the way um, or, or their way of where they want to go. So I, I personally think that's a real benefit for our students in terms of the credentials and maybe also um, this isn't a fully baked thought but maybe also um, an easier way if they do need to move around if you know right. if the course wasn't a fit um, so then they can sort of say okay well dental hygiene wasn't a fit what might be a fit I think paramedic might be a fit and there's something that they still can move around and transfer with them and and so on 
So, um, yeah, I think the micro credentials are a real opportunity for for our students, for sure. I I was going to say, I I completely agree. And if you tie that in with some of the conversations we've been having around digital innovation, you you know, we've all experienced, um, you know, the, the Netflix type algorithm you you watch this you might be interested in this imagine the the post-secondary landscape with that sort of environment built in you were successful in this micro certificate maybe you'd like to look at this and by the way did you know that it pathways into these four uh credentials and this is what they look like so yeah i i think some really exciting opportunity yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm micro credentials is something that I didn't know much about before we spoke to Dr. Luke and having kind of some of those um, examples presented about successful um, iterations of micro credentials and now hearing your um kind of thoughts and and plans for them as well, Kevin, is really exciting. I have a girlfriend who um, is recently separated and she's looking to get um, retrained to get back into the workforce. It was something that she was never planning to do. Um, And she has lots of interests and she knows kind of the general field that she wants to get into, but um, she's nervous to make a financial commitment to a program um, because of her current situation, her financial situation. So I just think that this micro credentials can be a big equity Mm. piece as well, because It can allow people like my friend to, as you said, kind of dip their toe in the water and to say, "Okay, yes, I did enjoy this. And now I can continue getting some micro credentials. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of like a low stakes thing. And I do see it as um, something that runs parallel with and kind of um, aligns with our traditional um, educational pathways as opposed to in replacement of. So sorry, this was a total side note, but I get very excited about micro credentials. (laughs) (laughs) But but very, but very relevant examples. I, I love it because it's it's those are real world examples and and I think those do help when when we're talking about micro credentials because it can be a bit nebulous and and you know I think we're always trying to I think it's our our nature certainly in post secondary is we're always trying to fit it into the yes. the box as we understand it in the framework and uh, you know micro credentials just it it's a little bit refreshing in that way because. Um, we're we're expanding our thinking about what it means uh, to to follow a learning path, which which is which is different than what we've done over the past, you know, fifty plus years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exciting stuff. Okay, so uh, one of the things we've talked about a lot over the past year and on this podcast specifically is self-care as educators and professionals in normal times and more specifically during a global pandemic. And as we all know, self-care right now is no joke. We know the pressures that we felt as members of CTEL, but you had to make some pretty significant decisions that affected faculty, support staff and students. We can't even imagine the intensity of those first few meetings last March and the continued pressure throughout the last 16-ish months. Uh, You do a wonderful job of being human in meetings and with colleagues, which we know is so important, but can, can be challenging during these crazy times. So what do you do outside of the college that keeps you grounded? What's important to you? What do you like to do to unwind? And why is this so important? 
Well, great, uh, great question. And uh, yes, it has been, you know, as you, as you say, last March, I, I think I've blocked some of it out. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> but, but no, it truly, it, it has been a, it has been an interesting journey. But, uh, but, you know, the first thing I would say is we, we have such a tremendous team here at Georgian and, and just a shout out to my colleagues on senior leadership team and, and the leadership of, um, of Mary Lynn as president and CEO. I, I it's a strong, team and and that's that's actually one of the keys uh, to self-care is is we're not you know none of us are are in in these challenges alone um, you 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 know you have to support each other you find support and and I'm I'm so pleased to have such tremendous support at Georgian so that certainly helps uh, what I do outside the college yeah I, you know Kelly touched on some of it I I am I would watch hockey, you know, 24 seven. I absolutely would. I, I just, I absolutely <laughs> okay. love the sport. But we have a question. I have a question for you now. You say you're a Leafs fan. Yes. Now, did you flip over or did you actually start watching the Habs and cheering for them? I, I, so I'm, I watch all, all hockey. So I am watching my, I will say my son is a Tampa Bay lightning fan. So he had a tough oh. night last night. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I watch it all. I am, I, there, there is, um, you know, and I, and I'll get some, I will get a little bit of criticism on this, but there is that Canadian team, you know, put, put your, your cheering a little bit behind the Canadian teams. And, and I, I do have a lot of fun with my friends who are, are uh, Canadians fans for sure, but uh, you know, they're on a great run. Uh, so this, this has been really helpful for me. I mean, I, I always, sports is, sports is an outlet for me. The one thing I like about sports is it's, it, you can watch it and you can engage in it or it can just be on in the background. And, and you know, it, it in many ways, it's relaxing for that. For some people, I will admit, um, and, and, you know, I will throw my wife in, into the mix here. She'll love me for this. But when the Leafs are on, it's not that relaxing for her. <laughs> Every, every, you know, every chance, every save, it's, it's not relaxing at all, but, mm -hmm. but it's, uh, you know, it's relaxing for me to watch and it's quite humorous. Uh, so, so that's part of it. And then, you know, I, I will admit I am uh, an individual that, uh, you know, I, I do struggle at times to unplug and, and uh, I know this will sound a little bit counterintuitive, but, you know, I do take a lot of, uh, pride in the in the work that I do and I and I love what I do and I know there's the saying you know if you you find work that you, you love you won't work a day in your life and and I I feel that energy in the work that I do and so for me um I, I don't I, I unplug a little bit but I, I actually get a lot of satisfaction to the great work we do and 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 I say we because we're, we're all we all have such important roles at supporting our students. But when I think about it, and by the way, today is convocation day. So this is this is the day. I mean, oh, let's let's be honest. Favorite this is, day. Yeah, mine too. Mine too. I'm so I, it's hard to get used to virtual, but you know we have no choice. <laughs> That's for sure. And I just can't wait till we're back to feel the energy of that day in person. But that's why we do what we do. And so to me, that keeps me grounded. As hard as things get, as hard as decisions can get, 
Um, you know, at the end of the day, we have the fortunate position of creating opportunity, of truly changing lives. We we are not dealing with, uh, you know, and a shout out to our our healthcare. Uh, you know, our healthcare workers on the front lines um, always, but particularly in this pandemic, they're, they're dealing with really stressful, critical life and death situations. We, we have tough situations. Don't, don't get me wrong there, but we are, we are on the opportunity side. We, we get to live that joy. So I think that keeps me grounded. I, I love spending time with family. I, I, I tend to, you know, I, at work, um, I, I usually have a pretty good game face on and I try to be to be serious, but I, but I am who I am. And you, you mentioned I'm a small I am a small town, small town uh, boy from from Hanover, Gray County. I do like to have fun. I think I think, you know, humor is uh, you can't take your yourself too serious. That that is absolutely my motto because that will start to wear you down uh, over time, especially as as things get tough. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I chalk it up a lot to uh, the type of institution we are, uh, where we can work collaboratively. We can we can disagree and we can do so in such a respectful way, and I think that's important. And I think we also have a, an environment that we we challenge each other with the end goal of, of to make the best decision uh, for the institution. And, and that usually comes down to the best decision for students. So all those things, I know I cheated a little bit because I didn't talk too much about outside of work, but it, it's a balance. It, it's a balance. It's not, for me, it's not an either or. I, I work those those both those things into what I believe is a healthy balance. Uh, and it it just helps to cope, especially over these uh, these more difficult 15, 16 months. Yeah, that's wonderful. Absolutely. And you never need to apologize for loving your job. That's wonderful. It comes through <laughs> so sincerely. And Kelly and I both also feel a lot of job love and a lot of a lot of appreciation for Georgian. And uh, it's like a tradition on the podcast that I like to cry almost every episode. And you had like I had a single tear coming down when you were talking about like how we get to be a part of like, you know, someone's opportunity and we get to create opportunities. I completely agree with that. And so, um, yeah, just really nice to hear that and to to really feel your passion for the work that you do coming through. So thanks for that. You know, Kevin, the future at Georgian is looking really bright. We've had the pleasure of chatting with faculty and staff from across the college and have learned about some incredible initiatives, some exciting funding happening and some awesome new projects that are happening. What about the future of Georgian? makes you excited? What do you hope to see? And what are some of the goals that you are striving towards for the college? Yeah, thank you for that. And and we've hit on we've hit on some of them. Uh, first of all, I agree. I, I think it's tremendously bright. Uh, the, the future we have, I think we have we have built such a, a strong institution. Uh, we, we have uh, some really top notch uh, programs. You know, our, our recent audit uh, just echoed the commitment to quality that we have across the organization. I mean, how how awesome is that to get that validation of all the tremendous work that so many people and so many uh, departments uh, put in to focus on on quality. Um, so that that's what I call that great foundation from which to, to look towards the future. And so we talked about digital innovation, flexible learning, 
There's some new programming uh, that's uh, that's coming down the line. That's that's exciting. Uh, you know that that looks to some new opportunities in the labor market. I think that's all part of it. I think we have to continue to to innovate and be nimble. Uh, the micro credentials, the pathways, all of that, all of that to me is is really exciting and you know says a lot to to where Georgian can be in the future of Georgian. Uh, for me, it's, you know, again, it's it's about the students. Uh, and, and if we can keep creating the type of program that, that gets our students excited and affords them the opportunity either as a pathway or uh, a pathway either to further education or a pathway to employment, I mean, to me, that's success. And, and what we want to do is build that in an environment where we have that flexibility, we have that compassion, we, we focus on equity and access to those opportunities so that we the demand is there from a student perspective. I mean, that that's where all post-secondary institutions would love to be. You want to be that coveted institution that this program, you know, everybody wants in it. Um, and 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 don't get me wrong, I'm not a fan of when we we have to turn students away either. But that's a better problem to have than when we we have situations where we don't have enough students to keep uh, our programs uh, our programs running and viable. So I'm excited by that because I think we're at a good place with with where we are and and we continue to evolve our program mix and we we're taking a step back and some of our programs are. Our uh, renewal process has just been outstanding. I'm really impressed with the work that's happening there uh, to look at how we we maybe make our programs a little bit different to stand out in the market, to be an innovator, to do something that's a little bit different. So I think those are those are going to be continued themes for us. Um, but but ultimately, you know, where do I see us uh, going or, or what goals do I have? I mean, I, no, no secret. I, I want us to be the institution of choice for students. I, I really do. I want I want our students to have that best student experience and to understand that that all the supports that we have for our students, that we provide them the flexibility and the learning, the high quality education that we provide is uh, stands out and, and is second to none. And that only comes with all the great things that that we've already worked so hard to embed in our institution. And when I think of, um, you know, the the change making, when I think of entrepreneurship, uh, when I think of the great work that that we've done on internationalization, indigenization, we've got some excellent work and some hard work to do on equity, diversity, and inclusion. But that will make us a much stronger institution. That sense of belonging for students and staff across the board is it w- will make us a, a much better, stronger institution. So there, there's a lot. I mean, when you think about it, it's a lot. And uh, may, maybe it's maybe I shouldn't have said it all together. It sounds a little overwhelming, but uh, <laughs> it's it's exciting. And uh, and it's going to take all of us. It, it really is going to take an institutional approach on these things. But at the end of the day, what we have done so well and did so well again at the most recent uh, release KPIs is is our graduates are getting employed and our gra- our students come to us for the opportunity. They come to us because they are focused on 
a pathway to employment. And we we have had success in that. And so we don't want to see that slip in any way, because I think that says a lot about who we are and what we do as an institution. Yeah, I think that's so important. And the other thing that I wanted to mention, too, it's just an anecdotal observation. But I think another thing that really makes Georgian stand out is the um, the academic success and the employment success that students have. But um, students feel seen at Georgian. And I think a lot of students um, choose Georgian because of that that kind of sweet spot that the college has found between being large enough to be able to offer a really um, wide and diverse variety of programs that are really well supported, um, but also still having that really kind of small town community feel. Um, and talking to a number of international students and just saying like, you know, why'd you choose Georgian? Like, so happy that you're here, but what mm -hmm. made you choose it? And people say, you know, the the instructors care about the students and I feel like I'm a, a person here, not just like a student number on a sheet. Um, and I think that really speaks to a lot of the larger goals that the college has and all of the different players who are contributing to that um, more than just the academic success, but the, the whole student experience, as you mentioned, too. Yeah, great, great point. And, and we we see that come out uh, when we when we survey our students and, and we, you know, our brand surveys that that, you know, I, I said uh, in a meeting the other day, um, you know, it sounds a little cheesy, but it, it just came out in real time that Georgian, Georgian puts the uh, community in community college. Uh, mm -hmm. But but I truly believe that. And, and, you know, I've felt that since I've been here. If you think of our integration in the not in its two ways, as you said, it's the internal when students come, they feel part of something. They feel part of that community. Uh, but I think it's also for uh, for us as employees. I think we feel part of the community. And then Georgian itself, when you look at our footprint across uh, central Ontario, I, I you know, we are so. Uh, we are so much of a fabric of the community um, mm -hmm. that I, I think that's a really strong point uh, for for the power of Georgian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And on this show, we've had, I mean, we ask everybody what their kind of educational background is. It is unbelievable to hear how many folks teaching at Georgian were students here. So right. whether they came for a certificate or a diploma or a, or a program, they there are so many folks who loved the Georgian experience so much that they wanted to find a way to continue to be a part of it. And I think that really speaks to kind of the power of community and and Georgian's presence as well. So that's really important. So, Kevin, it has been a real, real pleasure chatting with you. Uh, we talk yes. a lot about on here about filling our cups because you can't pour from an empty one. Um, and this chat has really filled my cup this morning. Um, we know how incredibly busy you are and we appreciate your time and your willingness to join us here today so very much. Thank you uh, both for having me. <clears throat> Excuse me. As I said, I'm I'm a big fan of the podcast, and and I want to thank you both for for doing this great work because, the, the as I've said, there have been just such uh, tremendous episodes and some really really good learning. Um, I, I've truly enjoyed it. I learn when I listen to uh, to each podcast, and so thank you for doing it. Thank you for having me. I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Oh, thank you so very very much. We have thoroughly enjoyed having you here and we hope you will come back soon and we can chat some more bye for now bye bye thank you